Hey, my name's Louis, and welcome to. I'm just gonna go for it. Hey, I'm Louis, nutritionist and personal trainer, and it's my privilege to welcome you to Between Two Plates, the Strength Vitality podcast, where we discuss everything between gym plates and kitchen plates to do with fitness, nutrition, and mental health. In this episode, we'll be sitting down with sponsored athlete, coach, and dad, Matt Tyler. Matt has made the incredible journey of ex-pro golfer to one of the hottest up-and-coming CrossFit athletes on the scene in a matter of years. His mindset, decision-making, and commitment are all virtues we're going to get to explore, as well as taking a dive into what has taken him to the successes he's already achieving and on his way to achieve. If anyone has any questions relating to any of the topics discussed in this interview, please don't hesitate to email me at louis at strengthvitality.com. Thank you again. And as ever, we really hope you enjoy the podcast. Wicked. Right, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today, dude. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully coming out the back of a 20-week 20 20-week lockdown period. <laughs> so, yeah, like... Yeah, pretty buzzing. We've, uh, I know we've just, we've just caught up, which was really lovely. But for the, for the sake of people that are joining in now, what has the last 20 weeks looked like for you? Oh, man. So <clears throat> I've, I've got a, a saying, well, I, like something I talk to my partner about. And we're like, if she earned a million quid and I had to be a stay-at-home dad and raise the family, we wouldn't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love my family to bits, but I'm not designed to sit at home and just do like repetitive childcare stuff. It's, and so that had always been my biggest fear, full stop. And then, uh, and then 20 weeks ago, I woke up <laughs> and there we were. <laughs> um, so no, it's been, uh, I will probably massively, um, I've probably massively overlooked how much I'll appreciate this time in like five, six, seven years time when my, when my girls get older. So we've got a, a six and a half year old and we've got just under an 18 month old. And, you know, one minute you're juggling schoolwork with a six and a half year old. And then the next minute you're like waking up in the night or like, you know, just inconsistent feeding times or napping times or whatever it's going to be. Um, and it's just kind of repetitive stuff. And as much as you can say, you know, you go to work and you do the same kind of things, I guess you see different people, you interact with adults and stuff like that. Um, so for me, that was my biggest fear. And then it kind of came to life. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Did it meet the expectation that you had before? I, I, I had some, I had some low times. <laughs> no, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It was, a. Uh, I had some tough times with regards to just when we went through, um, so my partner's a midwife. So if she had like, she worked like an all day on a Tuesday and then maybe she might do like Wednesday night, Thursday night, back to back. Then all of a sudden it would be, well, we wouldn't really see her from, we'd see her on Monday night, but she'd be gone by the time we woke up on Tuesday. Right. And then we wouldn't see her like until Friday PM when she'd woken up from like sleeping, which I've got used to that with her before kids and stuff like that anyway. But then when you're like, the girls are full on, you know, six year olds going, it's breakfast time and she's like, what are you for dinner? What's for dinner? And you're like, what's for dinner? We, you haven't even finished your thing with What are you going on about? And then, you, <laughs> and then you're trying to do work with her and you've got the 18 month you are walking around like smashing whatever she can up in front of her like, pay me some attention. So, um, so yeah, that was tough. But like I said, I'm hoping I'll come back to you in like five years time. <laughs> Is that, has it given you 
bonding time. <laughs> like it's it's one of, it's in those moments where you're like, do you know what? Acid bath isn't actually that bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I come out the back of some workouts. And I'm like, you know what? Even worse. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Um, right. So let's take a big step back. Yeah. Um, and this will be a bit of a journey for me to discover as well. So Matt, what was your journey into fitness? So has that always been something that's in your blood? And then uh, your journey into CrossFit and how that has walked into you now being a coach. And so, take your time, my man. Yeah, so there's a, so if you go the, all the way back, so I loved sport, like any sport. Um, when I was at school, like my mum bought me five PE kits to have at school because she just couldn't be bothered to keep washing my PE kit every single day. So I'd, I'd have sport every single night after school or something I was going to be doing. Uh, my dad played rugby for Crowborough. Um, so when I was three or four, started playing, you know, with, I think it was the age group above, uh, just started playing touch rugby and stuff. And out the back of that, ended up playing rugby for continuously for about, I don't know, it was about... 15, 16, when I realised I was kind of made of glass and then I started to break a little bit too often. <laughs> um, out the back of that, around that time, my brother started playing golf at Ballshead Golf Club, which was right next to the rugby club. Um, and so I started playing golf and kind of got all, to an all right standard. Um, when I was 16, 17, I got into, I was at sixth form um, and wasn't really enjoying it, wasn't really doing um, anything productive in it. Uh, I was at that age where kind of like girls and going out and stuff was much more interesting. Ended up kind of stumbling across a, like a golf college. So it was called the Sussex College of Golf. Um, it was a two-year, kind of like a sixth form college. Wow. Um, you basically played golf full-time. You had to have a certain standard. You had to think at the time you had to be like five handicap or less. You had to be a certain standard and you had to have certain like GCSEs to get in. Wow. We did 10 hours of academic studies a week and uh, basically played golf full-time with some wow. world-class coaches that came down. We lived on site. We lived on mobile homes just off the, off the uh, driving range. So that was wicked. And for a 17-year-old, you know, forget the fact it was golf at the time that may yeah. not have been seen as that cool, you know, for a 17-year-old. It was like I was living the life of what felt like a professional sportsman, you know, there all the time. Yeah, man. We'd wake up in the morning, we'd be out practicing before the, uh, before the sprinklers came on, you know, and then you're just whacking balls in the driving range. And because you were surrounded by a load of other guys that were also pretty good, it, there was always that kind of competitive, uh, that competitive edge to it. You know, you never went out and played like a social nine holes. It was always like, oh, let's put a fiver on, you know, let's, everyone puts a fiver on. Okay. So you're always kind of, we got to an all right standard. So I turned, I ended up turning pro at the back of that. So at the age of 18, I turned pro and spent 12 years as a professional golfer. Um, yes. <laughs> I, uh, I fell into the trap of when I'd started doing my, um, I got a scholarship to the States. I got offered a scholarship to the States through like a scholarship company at the time called Pro Dream USA. But I wasn't good enough to go full scholarships. So it was to a junior college. And it just, I was like, I'm not really sure, you know, I'd have to transfer after a couple of years. And I kind of turned it down. I was like, you know what? I don't want to do another four years worth of education. I want to go and earn some money. So I did my coaching degree alongside um, trying to play a little bit. So it was a three-year coaching degree and I actually took up a load more time 
than what I thought it would right. and it ended up kind of taking my attention away from playing. Mm-hmm. So as much as I played locally, regionally, um, and won like a little bit of money, not a huge amount, nothing to try home about, it wasn't worth, it almost got to the point where it wasn't worth taking days off work where I'd guaranteed income to go and play. Um, right especially as I started getting older and I wanted to move out and I wanted, you know, I wanted to go and live with my mates and I wanted this type of stuff. Like there wasn't enough money at the time in the region. If you won an event, you know, you were picking up maybe a thousand pounds, but yet there were some class players you right. know, that would almost come down a standard to sweep up. And then, um, okay. so these guys were making like kind of 40, 50 grand in a summer where I was, I was like, Oh, I've not, I've not practiced for, for I've not practiced for six weeks. I've been too busy coaching. Right. I'm I'm tearing off at six a.m. Golf coaching, right? Or yeah, yeah, no golf coaching. So still, yeah, still coaching. So I've been coaching, haven't practiced in six weeks. Maybe hit like a half a bucket of balls. I'm tearing off at seven o'clock down in Bournemouth somewhere. So I either wake up at the crack of dawn or go and stay in a travel lodge on my own. And then I started getting a little bit, and something we'll touch on in a little bit. I started kind of wising up a little bit to the people that I was playing like with so I was always relatively modest and kind of like down to earth and I would enjoy 18 holes with anyone but then I had these at the time they were kind of like 17 18 year old kids coming through that were obviously handy but their dad would be caddying for them and then they wouldn't talk to you for 18 holes because they thought they were like Tiger Woods so you'd you'd end up playing four or five hours around the golf with someone that you didn't want to be there with you might make the cut and have to do it again the day after, or you miss the cut, you don't win any money and you drive back home again. And it kind of, that, that whole lifestyle just put me off it a little bit. Right. Um, so I ended up, so after I qualified full time as a coach, I moved golf clubs, um, kind of got my mojo back again, started a new golf club. It's kind of got back into it all. And anyway, long story short, started progressing up the chain and ended up being, I finished in the industry as a director of golf. So basically I'm, I was involved in like committee meetings and um, sitting down, deciding membership tariffs and stuff like that. And man, I hated it. I was like, I'm like, went past the juicy bit and you got it. Man, and it was just like, and I think I was about 27 when this happened, and I was being made. So I was sitting in a in a committee meeting where I was like parking spot, and the men's vice captain had a parking spot. So did the ladies and the ladies vice captain, but the senior only had a captain spot and they didn't have a vice captain spot. Three hours worth of arguing in this committee meeting. Like, and for me, I was just like, you know what? I, I need to get, I need to try and do what I can to step down. <laughs> I, don't, I just want to, I need to get out of here somehow. Um, so then that, yeah, that takes us to about you know, to a couple of years ago, a few years ago um, at the time. So I'd stopped playing. I right. just coached, I just coaching full time and, and doing this other role for the golf club. Um, I started playing rugby again a few years before that, just socially. But then all of a sudden, you know, it was kind of being spotted a little bit at the golf club that I was every Saturday afternoon. I wasn't there because I was out playing rugby and, my, and I was coming to work. And my passion wasn't there for it and that type of thing. And then uh, I ended up dislocating my shoulder pretty bad playing rugby one year, which knocked that one on my head. And then obviously affected work because, you know, you're trying to teach people how to play a golf club and you're in a sling. Um, and then, so, yeah, so it kind of, um, it was 
things were starting to come to a head and I knew at some point I was kind of getting to that T-junction where I didn't have an option to carry on doing what I was doing. I either had to go one way or the other. Um, And then uh, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do my PT course. I'm going to do my level three. I'm going to get that under my belt. For my 30th birthday, we invested into some loads of home kit anyway, so I could train from home. Um, And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to coach clients from home. I'm going to strap that onto what I'm doing for my, for my goal. So not only can I coach them from a technical aspect, I can also coach them from a training aspect as well. Before this, had you been, you haven't mentioned it, so that doesn't mean that you haven't been doing it, but were you alongside all of this still going to the gym and training and partaking in that? Yeah, so kind of, yeah, but not only to, through rugby, it was only really to aid that. You know, I was training twice a week and playing at the weekend. Um, but I would sneak out of work a little bit early so I can go and train and stuff. But yeah, I was, I was trying to keep it consistent, uh, but I didn't really have anything to train for as such. Um, what, was your tra- what would your training sessions look like? I bet they look uh, different. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It was like, um, I think I, I, the closest I came to what I did now, it was that I, um, I signed up to an online um, PT that was basically, would upload programs on and uh, it was similar to um, like the 300 workouts. It was basically like, it would be like 300 reps. You got to do X amount of back squats. And at the time I'm thinking, this is absolutely carnage. Like who on earth would want to do this? I'm doing burpees and stuff. And I was at Eisenhurst in uh, Kroger at the time, you know, and now I'm like doing burpees at seven o'clock in the morning upstairs. And I'd, and Chris would pop his head up like, mate, you've got to stop making so much noise. (laughs) 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 You can't, you can't be jumping up and down like that on the floor. (laughs) Um, so that was yeah that was the close that was kind of how i i finished training like that but other than that it would be it would just be standard splits it'd be upper lower you know i never i was never really into bench press but i used to like squatting i had a horrendous deadlift form but i I used to like deadlifting um got a strong squat man you have got a strong it's, it's taken a bit of while but yeah we're kind of going that way now um but then, yeah, so when I asked Tom, um, who I work for now, who's, who's been my best mate for years, I said, Tom, you know, do you know anyone that I can do my level three with? And he was obviously, he owned Sweat It at the time. It was just him coaching there. And uh, he goes, oh, we'll meet for coffee and discuss it. And then basically offered me a job out the back of it. And that was in August. Um, what's that? Not last year, the year before. But I didn't actually start there until March uh, last year. So it was in the pipeline. It was all, we were just trying to get things to work out. And, you know, I took a mega pay cut to move out of the golf industry from what I was doing. But it was, I was 30 years old. I hated working at the golf club doing that role. It just wasn't me. And I was having to be, it was a really hard hat to wear because at one point I'm trying to sell people golf clubs because I'm running the pro shop and that type of thing. The next minute I'm trying to coach them and trying to develop a great relationship with, with clients that's much more than just at the golf club. You know, I had loads of clients come from different golf clubs and stuff. The next minute I'm having to discipline them because of their language in the bar when there's a function on. And it was just like, just couldn't, I couldn't wear all the hats. and I wasn't any good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was either one person trying to do all of those or yeah, I just or I kind of seemed maybe a bit false or fake because I'm trying to trying to discipline someone didn't really know what I was doing. So yeah, so I took the gamble to move out the industry, and um, and then yes, yeah, so I've been over with uh, with Tom now at, uh, at Sweat It for yeah 
year and a half nearly and uh it's everything i wanted it to be you know so you asked about my training and that type of stuff i got into crossfit after i when i just my shoulder playing rugby i tried to go back and play rugby and lasted about 20 minutes of another game before it happened again good effort though <laughs> yeah 20 and it was the softest tackle i put on someone <laughs> it was the softest tackle looked over at the physio and was just like nah it's gone again and then oh, i remember yeah i remember laying back on the floor like in kind of just like exhaustion like oh man and i was so relaxed when i laid back it just popped itself back in <laughs> like so nah nah i'm all right i'm all right and he's like nah, come off <laughs> i'm ready to go i'm ready to go it's back in um so yeah so i stopped playing rugby um again i was still training at the gym but like didn't really know what i was training for so on the timeline what what sort of year are we talking at the moment so that would have been um that would have been maybe 2016 okay cool and then i started doing my partner was into indoor like bouldering so I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, you know, this is something new, and you see these guys, and they're in great shape, and their button, and their uh, their pull ups are amazing. Their strength to weight ratio is amazing. I was like, you know what? I want to get into this more. This non contact, not going to discount my shoulder. Like, nice. wicked. Probably did that for about six months. We got pretty consistent with with climbing there. Come out from underhang one day, grabbed a hold, went to no. pull myself up. Shoulder came out. Dropped, dropped to the floor and as I hit the floor it's gone back in but it all happened so fast that I didn't really know if that had happened or not so me being like I'm not sure that did happen maybe it was just two ligaments that just popped over so I gave it five minutes went in did the same climb same hold pulled myself up came back out again and I was like ah oh, yeah it, like it did but by this point <laughs> <laughs> by this point the labrum was so smashed up in there and all ruptured like it was just kind of it didn't hurt anymore which was then for me from i don't wouldn't even class myself as an athlete at that point but i like to always think i've been some kind of sportsman for me from a yeah. sport, sportsman perspective i was like man that's not cool like yeah. i need to i need to get something sorted so end of 2017 was when i had surgery on it so i basically had labrum reconstruction they screwed and put some pins in, stitched all the labouring back in, got it all back in place. And I was like, you know what? I took a few days off work. I was like, I'll be back in work in a couple of days. And I'm like, what are we talking about? Um, got signed off work for three weeks. Little did I know, I literally couldn't take my arm away from my body that it was like where they'd pinned it all back in. When you say you couldn't, like you'd been instructed not to? Or no, you physically, literally physically couldn't. Physically couldn't. It's the strangest sensation when you're like, I'm looking at my arm and like my brain's going move and I'm like I can't like <laughs> you could just feel it it was so tight you could feel everything was just like um just locked in place right. um and I struggled big time with that because you know I was like I'm gonna do all my rehab stuff I'm gonna do all of this I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make sure I come back bigger and better and stronger but I thought it was gonna be a short process um and I when I had surgery I had a ski holiday booked for 10 weeks later and the NHS at the time they wouldn't as much as I was doing everything correctly and I was like progressing nicely they wouldn't 
give me advanced stuff to do. They would only progress me as far as the guidelines basically said. Right. So like, you know, four weeks down the line, you should be able to do this. And I was actually where I should have been maybe six to eight weeks down the line, but they would still only give me the next bit. Okay. Um, which was fine, you know, but I, at the time I really struggled with it. And I'm not, I wouldn't really say I'm a negative person in any way, shape or form. I'm quite a positive person, but my partner was like, you just became, sat in front of the TV motivation goes down diet goes out the window just can't do any exercise uh, in the, at the same time i was still in the golf industry so doing a job that i didn't enjoy no, okay. and and it kind of all starts to pile up on top of you um and in that period of time when i was sat on the sofa eating cake i um stumbled across 2014 or what uh rich thronin's fittest on earth or whatever it was fittest man alive yeah started watching that and i think in within that or maybe it was the 2015 one within that i think ben smith was quoted to say like what he loves about crossfit was that when he was at school he was always like all right at everything but was never like really really good at one thing and i was like man that sounds like me you know i played on every sports team possible but i never really i was never that next standard up you know um and I was like, this looks unreal. Like everyone, anyone that has heard of CrossFit or has been interested with it, as much as it is a coaching methodology and it's a great way to train, people get into it. They get into it through what they've seen on social media or they've seen on Netflix. Um, so I was like, man, I want this. I want in. Um, so after I got back from skiing, I went skiing in January, man, you've never seen someone so stiff. I'm not the best skier anyway, but you've never seen someone so stiff, like, like this, trying to, <laughs> trying to ski down the slopes, like. Put them on a sled, guys. Basically, I couldn't get any insurance. Like, no one would insure me. I could only insure my, my, um, my luggage and stuff because they're like, oh, what, you guys call surgery? I'm like, yeah. They're like, yeah, we're not insuring you. I was like, oh, well, well, we'll see. I'm with dad. Hopefully dad's the, the <laughs> me out if I need to be a heli off the mountain. <laughs> Where were you skiing? We were in, I think at the time we were in Teen. Um, mm -hmm. It was either in Teen or um, Trevinia, maybe in Italy, one of the two. Um, cool. But uh, yeah, I've, I didn't start skiing until later on in life anyway. I was I think, maybe 26 when I first went. So uh, I'm not the most fluent of skiers but especially when I'm trying whatever I can to not fall over. Um, <laughs> it's like going on a paddleboard and not wanting to get wet and you're just on like, like <laughs> a teapot going down the mountain. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so then when I got back from there, I got in contact with uh, CrossFit Upfield, which was the most local gym, uh, most local CrossFit box to me. Mm -hmm. There was one in Tumbridge Wells at the time, but just the location of it, it wasn't really, really realistic for me moving forward to be driving over there, getting down to industrial estate parking and stuff like that. If I was going to do it consistently, um, went and had, uh, a, um, like a fundamentals, like, um, intro class with Chris, the owner over there and was like, you know what, this is, this is kind of giving me that buzz to get back into something. Brilliant. Um, at the same time that I felt like my shoulder was still, I couldn't, barbell back squat I couldn't get my hand in enough to hold on to it so um but it was giving me enough to um to kind of get the, the buzz for doing something different okay well I mean what, what is the sort of I mean for anyone who doesn't know you now like you are a competitive crossfitter and it seems like quite even to have begun crossfit in 2018 
and how and be injury free to be at your fitness now i think is admirable let alone negotiating all of those injuries so when you started crossfit and you were already aware of like you couldn't get in i mean if you couldn't get in a back squat i imagine front rack was probably quite hard for you to get into as well yes it was where um yeah just right at the top of the bicep if i if i could get my hand into it where those muscles at the back just weren't used to being like that contracted and that tight they would just cramp almost immediately so it was um yeah it took a bit of conditioning but it wasn't that i knew it was just a mobility issue it wasn't that um i would never get back into that position it wasn't like the pins in my shoulder were like fought like limiting that range of motion it's just the muscles needed time just to stretch out and kind of get, back. To get that done cool exactly so i could kind of just go you know what be patient with it keep cracking on and you know it might be like a one finger grip in my back squat to start off with and eventually like i'll be able to get back under there um but yeah so i started crossfit then my partner at the time was funny enough training with tom over at sweat it at the time so i had my best mate i had a conversation with my best mate about oh you've been kind of training me and helping me out and i really appreciate that but i'm actually ditching you now to go over and do this is that all right <laughs> like and he was like he's wicked he's fine i wanted to learn olympic weightlifting i wanted to learn gymnastics and stuff and it's not something they offered there awesome. um but she ended up moving across because one of the things that we loved so much when we were there was obviously training together nothing better than nice. you know if you've got your family surrounding you and encouraging you and what you're doing like oh my god makes it anything you want to do like 10 times easier so start yeah started training there she came across uh, i did the open like when, when i february time i started there and the open used to be in that march time so i did the open and ended up doing all the events at rx as well so like did you uh, luckily oh, this, is like, this is 2018 right that we're talking so 2018 i learned to toes to bar on the tuesday and like 18.1 was toes to bar rowing and like dumbbell hand clean jerks i think it was um learned to toes to bar on the tuesday and i've got a picture somewhere of my like my first rep on my toe it's basically a muscle up where i've kicked the bar like i was so bad um, and I, my hand i just exploded my hands my hands were just so ripped like actually it's like exploded to pieces ollie um grinsell actually yeah. touched me on my first one. Oh, wicked my first rep of the hand clean you had to like stand it up into a hang position and then clean it to your shoulder i just straight to my shoulder and he's no rep to me i was like oh, <laughs> yeah, i love that <laughs> my first ever rep was just a straight up no rep i was like oh, wicked. um so and luckily one of the workouts i think it was at like 18 four i think it was had ring muscle ups in it and i couldn't do a ring muscle up um i hadn't tried it was one of those ones that i was like you know what if it's in competition i might just see if i can just do it and crack on with it but I ended up, um, I ended up tweaking. There was loads of double unders in this workout beforehand. Uh, right. Double unders, overhead squats, double unders, and then I think it was ring muscle ups maybe. But um, I pulled my calf doing the double unders. So like, oh. you know, yeah, my calf just no. jumping. <laughs> so just jump aside, so just pull my calf. It's always Achilles has always been a bit of a kind of a Achilles mm -hmm. heel for me, funny enough. Um, but so I didn't make it to the ring muscle ups anyway. So as much as I got an RX score for that workout, like I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't getting any further. So, yeah, <laughs> I did that in um, in March time and just loved it. And I knew that all of a sudden, I guess what I felt differently to a few of the other members there was that I was like, I'm in this because I want to compete. I see this as a I was going to ask you that. Okay, cool. 
And that's always been my view on it. Like I love it. And I absolutely, I will go in there and I'll do a partner workout with Jane Smith, who's 85 and you know, and yeah. she's into box squat. Like wicked. I'll, I'll pair up her every single day of the week. But this is all just part of my, my process of like, that will be an addition to maybe what yeah. I've got to do. Cool. And, and has that, was that literally day one? You were like, I know I want to compete. As soon as I watched the documentary, I was like, I want to get into that for that. Like, I'm not interested in, it's a bit of a lie. I can say I'm not interested in the way I look, but I think in our industry, I guess you aesthetics always play a bit of a part in, in okay. it, you know? Um, so, but I'm fully aware with me, my aesthetics were byproducts of my training. So yeah. um, I've, 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 wouldn't have gone in and hit as hard as I wanted to if I just wanted to say I had abs or a six pack or things. It's just things that don't overly interest me. Yeah, I want to kind of I want to take my body to its limit. But even like a heavy snatch, like heavy snatches, heavy cleaning jerks, that type of thing is like wicked if you can do that in the gym with people watching. But all of my PRs that I've done recently have been basically on my own, like doing it all. But actually, nothing beats doing it in a comp when you know you you've got an percent in the tank because you're there and it means something and but you're that's i think that one of the things that i see when i'm watching your stuff on social media because you train you train at home now right you've got your home gym set up one of the things that i do think is amazing is the numbers that you're pulling well pushing pulling in at home like in in that environment you think i mean the amount of people now and you'll know it from your clients that are finding it hard to to train at home but you've managed to make that space so uh productive of your progression and like uh, being in the gym around people or in a comp you feed off that energy but for you to be able to pull those numbers get those pbs at home really is testament to whatever that is within you that's driving you forward yeah i think i just i've never wanted to have to rely on other people I've never wanted to have to rely on someone else to be available to train when I want to train and, you know, this, that stuff. And as a kid, that's a hundred percent what I did as a, you know, and I think I can talk about the way I am now and I compete against obviously my age group, what we 18 to 35, our age group. So I will compete against kids that are like 18, 19, that are such better athletes than I am. And in 10 years time, if they, can stick with it. They're going to be unreal athletes, right? Yeah. But if you take me back to their age, and if you said to me, oh, Matt, would you have liked to start CrossFit when you were 18, 19? I did not have the headspace for it then. You know, I would have been the guy like launching his weightlifting shoes across the gym because he was frustrated because it was, I was seeing it as a sport. You know, I just wasn't mature enough. And I think I've been able to improve the way I have done over the last few years because of the maturity and how I've approached everything I've done with it. Um, so I, if I could go back five years, 10 years and do it all again, probably wouldn't, I'm enjoying it so much now. I, I wouldn't want to risk not being where I am now to try and get better quicker as a kid yeah. and then fall out of love with it and not be doing it now. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And you draw a really nice, it's a really nice distinction because when you said earlier, I knew I wanted to compete like straight away, what it, what it sounds like, uh, and it can sound like to perhaps to someone who doesn't understand exactly what you mean there, it could sound like everything is a means to an end. So all of my sessions is like, I just want to get to the comp floor. But what you've just highlighted there, 
when you explained about that example of like someone being in there and throwing their shoes because every single thing is competing with each other, you've highlighted that while your goal is to get to comp, you have invested. It's not just a means to an end. You have invested in that process. So much so that you're not getting emotionally invested in the competition mindset every single time you're training, which is definitely a misconception with CrossFit. I think so, yeah. I completely agree. Like for me, I love what I do. My family's into it as well. You know, Sam trains, she loves it. It's, I, I train because I want to perform. Don't get me wrong. Like you saying that I train because I want to see what my body can do. And I want to see my goals are bigger than the next kind of two, three years. You know, I've got ambitions of where I want to go down the line and stuff with it. So if I'm not happy going in the gym now and training and doing it now, like, there's, there's never going to be a, a happy time for me to do it. You know, I've got to enjoy these sessions now and, and like go back to what we've been saying about lockdown and stuff, you know, spend all my time with the girls and with the kids, me going into the gym is my time to go and do what I enjoy doing. If it, if it only, only had that kind of purpose of yeah. I'm only doing this so that I can go out and compete, it, it wouldn't be sustainable yeah. and I, I wouldn't be enjoying it. And, as much as there is an element of it, like I, I probably wouldn't heavy snatch or put myself through like the, the higher risky movements unless I was having to compete or having to cycle barbells at heavy weights. Okay. Um, so there's probably some things I'd maybe steer away from that I think is part like risk of the, of the sport that we do. Um, but still, so like, I enjoy going in the gym every every time I do it. So it's never it's never been a motivational issue for me when someone says to me, "So what? You just train on your own?" I'm like, well, "Yeah." If you can't train on your own, then like, what are you training for? You know, <laughs> like Absolutely. if if it is purely for aesthetic reasons or lifestyle reasons and stuff like that. And I know people train because they don't enjoy it, which is which is 100 wicked. And we coach loads of people that do that. There's you've there's got to be some other kind of intrinsic motivation there otherwise it's the the results are only ever going to be temporary yeah absolutely you we literally live one life and there are also so many ways to pursue fitness um i i think crossfit is just crossfit like you said you, you spoke about um I think it was Ben Smith you said earlier, it was like, I was really, I was good at stuff, but not like amazing anything. CrossFit is the only thing, which is that cat. If you think about when you're, you know, were you into video games? Like, yeah. Uh, and you had like experience points. So you like invest experience points and like strength skill. CrossFit is the only sport other than like one of the things that sort of catalyzed it, like decathlons and stuff where you get to invest your experience points really broadly. And someone who's amazing at CrossFit has that breadth of experience. And you don't get that in other elements. hundred percent. hundred percent. So, which is quite ironic talking to you about this now. So my proper first ever experience, uh, not a a coincidence, I should say, is my first ever competitive experience was with you guys in a, 2018 and pick it up put it down was it That's my first ever what? yeah <laughs> uh, I, uh, I came to after the open um i think some of the girls had maybe done a pick it up put it down maybe the year before some of the people at the gym had done it 
And one of the girls that I'm still really good friends with now, a um, girl called Abby, she's an international uh, trampolinist, a really, really good explosive athlete. Uh, she asked if I wanted to be her partner for it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, wicked, let's get in. And then uh, came and turned up on the day. And yeah, I still remember it now. Like we, I think we finished maybe like fifth or sixth or something like that. So it was quite a pretty good finish. Um, and a learning point I'll come back to in a minute, but um, the the weight, it was the max um, uh, power output, that it was clean and jerk or something like that, clean to, or shoulders overhead or something it was. Yeah. And you had to pick a weight, you could pick whatever weight you wanted to. The max volume. Max volume, that was yeah. it. And you had to pick whatever weight you wanted to. And we had a little practice run at it. And uh, I was getting relatively strongish and they were like, I'm like, do it at 60, do it at 60 kilos. And I'm like, I'm sure I could cycle 60 kilos <laughs> after, we, after we've done the row and the wall balls and the burpees over the box and the burpees over the bar. And all. Yeah. so I was like, you know, okay, yeah, cool. Let's go for 60. And I was, I remember looking at people in the crowd that were looking at me and pointing and I'm thinking, I've made a mistake here. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a mistake here. And it was like, I think I might have cycled like the first round of maybe five reps at a max. And it was like, we dropped to singles. Like it was like, I was doing a single because it was from the hang as well. So you didn't even yeah. need to go from the floor, but I dropped to singles. So not only was I going from the hang, I was deadlifting every rep as well. So it was like, and we, look, we looked back on it and I think we had like, the guys, because I think Katie won it that year, um, and I think we were ahead of them off the burpees, off the bat, and I think we felt like we were like doing quite well. Oh man! But yeah, every time I looked over, they were running like like you had to do X amount of work and then run a lap. And yeah. every time I looked over, they were running. And I'm thinking, man, they are shifting that barbell like quick. Oh. I think he maybe had 50 kilos on or something. I'm just like, oh, we have had an absolute shocker here. But you know, that's that's um. There's, cause I think we had an element, I get all of the years blend into one for me, but I think we had an element of that last year. And when it, the spectacle is so important and what's amazing about that is everyone looked at you and not that it's about, and not that it's about like, uh, like any sort of arrogance or egotistical thing. You made that decision because you thought that way it was going to get you to win. Yeah. Everyone looked because you were you were the one there that was hungry enough to go the heaviest, and like damn right. And, and that's what everyone talks about after. Like, do you see how heavy he went? <laughs> and do you see how much he was struggling? Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that guy in 2018 that was just like. It's a strongman style with a log press, pretty much going overhead. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was but that was wicked. So, and I remember um, leaving that. I, I left the 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 morning. Yeah, and I was annoyed. Like I was I was gutted because when the final came out, and I I knew, and the final came up, and it was like thrusters and burpees, and I was like, man, I, I genuinely don't mind a thruster. So oh, I was dude. like. I was like, man, we could have like, we could have won that. And that was, bear in mind, I've only been doing CrossFit like five months. And I was like, I could have, I could have done so much better in that first, we were given the opportunity. So that, it was really good. But it was a, a mega learning curve for me there. I knew, I wasn't sure whether I'd be completely out of place. wasn't sure right. whether, you know, and I was like, you know what? That's given me the hunger to go on and do, do more. But I'm also like, I guess that's a competitive side of me. I'm also like, oh man, you know, like I'm really happy for everyone that did well and beat us, but that could oh, be. Yeah. 
you wanted to win. Like, <laughs> I, like, I could have. But I, yeah, I guess I didn't know that we could have. That made sense. I'm going along, just have a bit of fun and a bit of experience. Yeah. And then I find out, actually, hold on a minute. Arguably, we didn't get into that final because I didn't know enough about, like, why was I the only one there? Other people knew more. They're better yeah. experienced, maybe. And I was like, oh, I'm frustrated because that could have had a different outcome to it. That's that bittersweet transition in anything that we do. And I imagine it's the same as golf. <laughs> Play golf once, and that'll probably be it. When you're a new, there's no expectation. Yeah. So you, you go, get it done, and that's it. And then you do it well, and then I'm, oh crap, now I'm in. <laughs> and now I've got a bar that I've got to meet. <laughs> and uh, so we entered, I entered that one. My partner actually entered as well. That was her first ever event. And she entered with um, uh, Russ, one of the owners uh, over at Uckfield. Yeah, man, cool. Um, but we can tell anyone, Sam was actually 10 weeks pregnant, I think, when she was doing it. But obviously, we weren't telling everyone. Like, I didn't even tell yeah, her. man. So he was like, looking, I think we were competing at the same time, like looking over at her and she's like doing burpees, like just like feeling rough throughout. Um, but she, yeah, I think they, they absolutely crushed it. She trained um, while I was pregnant. She trained all the way up until she was 38 weeks. Whoa. So, open, actually. She did like 19 point. One of the, the rowing and wall balls. Yes. Yeah, she did that one. And it was like the following week. It was a uh, um, Chloe came along. What? Wow. But you can do that. Like if that's your if 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 that's like your don't be pregnant, never do CrossFit, then do loads of CrossFit. But you can keep it up, can't you? It was all scalable, isn't it? And it's like anything you go to the gym. You know, like it's all scalable. You know, she wasn't. Uh, it's not exactly like she was doing handstand walks and you know like backflips or, or chest bar she wasn't doing things like that but um but she could sit on a rower and pull a steady pace on a rower and at the time she could do like a three-quarter depth squat <laughs> with a light wall <laughs> and throw it to the wall but um no it was wicked are you are you both quite similar mindset wise she is like the most calmest person you'll ever meet like oh really okay cool she, the difference in the two of us that's happened uh, and where I've been able to mature more alongside her over the years is that she's always been really confident in her own skin. But yeah, if you met her, you'd, you'd assume that she was quite a shy person, a relatively quiet person, but she's just quiet and confident in her own skin. She's a, a midwifery matron down at Hastings. So, you know, she's in charge of pretty serious situations. Um, never, you know, never panics, never flusters, that type of thing um, where, I'm hype and emotion and my heart on my sleeve and ready to go. But as a kid, go back to what we were saying, uh, training, uh, if I was training when I was 18, I was, I guess, always trying to make the right impression, always trying to please people and always trying to like have all the friends and be seen as the, the you know, the popular one and stuff. And I spent too many years almost worrying about that. And I was surrounding myself, I guess, with people that, I always had the notion in my head of trying to surround myself with, with successful people. So I'm just trying to, constantly chase all the cool guys or the strong guys whatever it is try and be friends with them and that'll help me out rather than now I, I surround myself with people who want me to be successful that's so, amazing differentiation massive wow. and so now you know like we trained the other day and uh, I've not done a huge amount of running over lockdown I'm, I've been really strength-based with my training but my coaches started putting in some more running. We started conditioning my feet and my knees again to start running. And so we trained the other day and Sam looked at me and she goes, have you run this week? And I've gone, no. And she's like, 
off you go then. And I was like, all right, like, you know, like we've just finished. We've got an 18 month old that needs looking after and stuff. And instead of, you know, her going, oh, I'm going to get showered, can you look after the kid? She's yeah. like, look, I'll hold on. I'll go and look after Chloe and give her lunch and stuff. But you, you need to go and run because you haven't run this week. So all of a sudden it, it takes the stress of me feeling selfish yeah. about training. You know, she knows my goals. She knows I want to go. She comes with me to all of the competitions, not because as much as I love her coming along, it's not because I ask her to, because she wants to be there. She loves, she says the hype of screaming at me, like when she came to Euros and stuff like that, like she said, the hype of all of that was, was insane. And she feels like she's more nervous watching me than the image that I portray and me surrounding myself with people like Sam and uh, my coach now at the time, um, they invest into trying to get me to be the best I can, which allows me to focus and, and get on with it rather than constantly trying to focus on what everyone else is doing and, and how I can keep up. That makes sense. Mate, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. And I'll never forget what you just said about that differentiation between being surrounded by successful people, which lots of people say, yeah. being surrounded by people who want your success. That is incredible. You, you just mentioned something which I want to tap into. Uh, she was saying that she felt more nervous than you perceived to be. Yeah. When you're at the Euros, yeah. which is a huge event, what is going through your head? Because you do seem well relaxed. And even like you had time to chat outside of it when I was seeing you, uh, you'd seem super calm. Is that what's happening underwater? Or are you um, bringing that to manifest? So I love that, right? So that is me. I would be in that environment every single day of the week. Um, when I used to play rugby, I used to goal kick, play rugby, so I was a goal kicker. And I would go and goal kick two hours before every training session. And I would be the first one at the rugby club prior to kickoff and I'd be goal kicking before uh, people getting changed. All for that minute that I would have with everyone watching me and I was responsible to perform. And as I, I just loved that. I love that pressure of trying to, especially if I'm responsible for other people as well, like not letting the team down. And I will do, I will spend all the hours I can making sure that I am the best that I can be in order to do that. So when it comes to competing like at Euros and stuff, Euros, Euros, I was probably 50-50 because I had recently kind of changed coach. I wasn't sure if I was, I, I, I really, really wanted to qualify for it. Wasn't sure whether I was going to be good enough or not. Well, you know, it was almost like, um, it was almost like pick it up, put it down all over again and like the next level up. So I knew that I'd qualified in maybe 20, 21st or 22nd, I think it was. And there were 45 that went to finals. But even then, everyone's like, how many tried to qualify? And I think there's like 350 that were doing the online qualifiers. And they're like, but you came 22nd. That's amazing. I'm like, yeah, but you know, you'd never know. <laughs> like it, it is wicked and I'm really happy to be going, but you never really know. But then when I'm there, it, it like doesn't stand for anything. Like it is all of a sudden the, the slate is completely wiped clean. And Euros, I guess there was an element that I wasn't sure if my gymnastics would be good enough or if I'd be strong enough or, you know, I, I didn't know. Um, so I was buzzed just to be there. 
okay, uh, which cool. is why I enjoyed it so much. I was just so psyched to be there. When I look back on it now, exactly the same emotions to pick it up, put it oh, down. Oh, no. <laughs> well, oh, man. So, like, I finished, I think I've got to put it back and write down. Euros this year, out of the five, of, I got into the semifinals, along the short of it, I got into the semis. Um, where did I write Euros? I ended up, I won the first event. It was a clean and jerk ladder. And I, I PB'd my clean and jerk and, and won that. I then, so I had a first place finish, a fourth place finish, a fifth place finish. Um, I think I maybe had another fourth and it was five events to get to the final. And the second event was a high volume toaster bar workout, toaster bar and burpees over a box. And I finished 37th in that event. So I didn't finish outside the top five in all of the events, bar this one. And uh, George, uh, George uh, Stevenson, the boy that uh, that won it, I've become good friends with him out the back of it and kept in contact stuff over Insta. I I think I, with the exception of this toaster, I think he finished third on that toaster bar event. I basically beaten him on all of the other workouts, um, but he didn't even need to compete in the final. He was that far ahead on points. But that one workout on its own, even if you had given me a top third, like even if I was within the top fifteen of that. Um, that would have been enough points to qualify to get into the final. Oh, dude. But dude. Back, oh, Matt, you, so you know what I mean? So I kind of come out the back of that. And it was an amazing experience. I loved it. And, and there were workouts in there. There was a, a, a long 12-minute EMOM of burpees over the rower and rowing for calories. And I'm nearly six foot three. Like, I shouldn't be doing well in burpee workouts, you know? Yeah, man. And I finished fourth in that one. And, and so there were so many positives to, to take away from it. But then after all of it, I'm, we're driving home and I'm like, I wish my gymnastics was better. You know, like, why wasn't it better? Is that something that's always going to be my Achilles heel? Is that something that I can get better at? You know, like, that could have been such a different story. So there was a bit of a, not a sour, sour finish to it isn't the right word. A constructive, like. But, you know, the, the hype of it all was literally done in the car on the way home. Right. So it was like people, I got to work and people are like, oh my God, you made the semifinals, that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, that's not me being like ungrateful or anything like yeah. that. And, and they're 100% right. You know, I should have been proud. I really wanted to qualify for Euros. It seemed like it was a two-day event. It was an event that you don't find out any of the workouts until just before you're doing them. So yeah. it's not like Battle for the Middle Ground or things like that where they, they post the workouts online before you go. You literally, anxiety is the height. Oh, because you don't know. You're like, we could be doing like a 10-mile run in the next workout. You genuinely don't know what's going to happen. And you start to see the kit coming out. You're like... You're trying to figure it out. Like your head's going, wobbles. What are wobbles for? <laughs> um, but yeah, as soon as, as soon as it was over and done with, I was like, just couldn't stop thinking about Toaster Bar. And was like, man, start all over again. So Monday came and I think my coach at the time, I think I was back, I was doing Toaster Bar on that first Monday. It was like a Toaster Bar EMOM and it was like kind of building all that back up and, and kind of scrapping the technique and starting all over again. Really? Yeah, well, <laughs> scrap it. It was like, I'm going to move properly. And I'm going to start to move properly and we're going to build in that conditioning side to it. Um, yeah versus you know the kid that unfortunately i was in the lane next to the boy that won that event so he finished in like three minutes something and i was in like six minutes something so like 
not only did I already feel like, man, I'm struggling here, I'm now doing my toast bar and singles to get through the end of this, like this kid has just absolutely crushed it. Wow. And, yeah. But you wouldn't want it any differently, would you? Like that's the, that's the cool thing about it. It's gone, you're amazing at all of these things, but you have to address this. You can't avoid it, has to be addressed. 100%. And have you done that? Have you? Mate, lockdown's been amazing for that side of it, yeah. So that was, that was in Feb. Two weeks after that, I, um, I was up at the Rainhill Trials up in Manchester. Yeah. So Rainhill's a little bit different. You don't qualify for Rainhill. You put your name into a ballot and you're like, um, please pick me, please. And I think I've entered this ballot like every single time one's come out since I started CrossFit because I heard that Rainhill's meant to be quite good. Never got an invite. And then end of last year, got an invite and was like, oh man, that's two weeks after Euros. Like we're going to be... I think I did turf games two weeks before Euros. So it was like, <laughs> it was up in London, then it was up in, and then it was Essex, and then it was Manchester. And it was like, I said to my missus, I was like, I don't, it's quite expensive, probably can't afford it. It's another couple of days away, another couple of days off work. Um, and she sounds just gone to me, no, like this opportunity may not come around again for ages. And I was like, okay, like we will do it, we'll go. Um, and then they send you, it's about 10 workouts, 10 like seeding um, workouts that you okay. do. Gymnastic stuff, a bit of cardio stuff, um, and a bit of strength stuff, but nothing mega. And I thought, and I think I did these seeding events maybe before I changed coaches and stuff. And it was over Christmas time. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not overly bothered with it. My focus was Euros. I'm just going to yeah. do one attempt at it and whatever I get. I finish where I am and I ended up coming in the intermediate category but I was like third or fourth down from the top oh, so cool. nice. I already knew that there was an opportunity that if I played my cards right that I could potentially podium because I was already seeded in like yeah, four. cracked on with my training and stuff like that again still had rain hill on the back burner until after euros and when euros um had gone it was like right I'm excited now. Completely different type of pressure. The Euros I've gone into, just stoked to be there. I had no idea. Yeah. Rainhill I'm going into, man, I, I'm yeah. quite high up there. I could potentially, probably, there's a bit of pressure to perform now, which I, again, I, I hadn't, um, hadn't experienced. And um, they released the workouts early, so we knew it was coming up. There was a toast of our workout, but it was much smaller reps, and it was okay. part of a long chipper. So it was, it, I was much more comfortable with that rather than having to get 60, 60 toast bar done in about five seconds. Um, <laughs> but I, I went in injured, so that my, I, I did do another individual event um, at the end of um, 20, uh, 2019, I did battle for middle ground. Uh, right. Again, just in the intermediate category, but I went in injured. I was trying to practice all these workouts, did high volume double unders, pulled my calf, similar oh, to. Dude. So I couldn't run at battle for the middle ground. So obviously I've learned from my mistakes and prior to Rainhill, was doing some high volume double unders, pulled my calf. Oh. So. <laughs> Is that between the Euros and Rainhill? Literally the week before. It was just, we were just doing like sets of like 60 double unders, some pull-ups, 60 double unders, some chester bars, 60 double unders, but like, and they felt fine. And then suddenly it was just like someone had shot me from across the gym in the calf. And it was like, oh dear. So I remember I stopped everything, went home, iced it, did everything possible anyway. So I've turned, so 
I've grown as an athlete from that perspective because there would now be things that I will not do kind of like 10 days before 10 days. <laughs> right. Cause it's just, if I'm doing high volume double under, like I'm not going to get any better at double unders right. 10 days before all I'm going to do. I know I've got, I have like some foot issues, so that will be a weakness for me. Like it's just not worth it. So turn up to Rainhill, can't run first workout burpees over the bar. You stop what you're doing halfway through and you do like a 400 meter run but I'd done enough work with my coach to, and he was a very good masters athlete himself. I'd done enough work with him to be confident in my own ability. And he said to me in this workout, he's like, you don't need to worry about the run. It's just one lap of this track. And he goes, you will treat that run as your recovery. Like if you think that you're going to be hitting that run hard and coming back to the workout, you've got another thing coming. If you go hard on a 400 meter run, you might save yourself 10 to 15 seconds, right? You'll cost yourself 40% of your energy. Yeah, exactly. So it was something like three minutes and there's an ascending ladder of like two power cleans, two burpees over the bar, four power cleans, four burpees sit. And you just went up like that. So you had, you had like three minutes doing as many as you could. On the three-minute mark, you drop your bar, you do your lap, you come back, and you start all over again. But the second part is an eight-minute window. Whoa! But the run is in, the run is included in that eight minutes. I love that. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. So you can you can put your foot on the run, get back to the bar, and start earlier. And uh, so again, it's another burpee workout that I shouldn't be doing very well at. It's going over and it's running as well. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to go mega hard on that first bit. And just as I got onto the floor and I'd watch other heats, I've gone, they're, they're two, uh, separately, um, uh, two separate points available. So you had the points for the first three minutes, but you also have points for the second eight minutes as well. So if you, if you really sandbag that first three minutes to try and save your energy, you'd get like, you'd be right down the leaderboard. Yeah. even going in. So there was a part of it that you kind of had to go still. But I remember, so I did all right in that first bit, went okay, I could hear my name over the MC a few times. So I was like, you know, I'm obviously stood yeah, out from right. a perspective. Yeah. Went on the run, man, everyone overtook me on the run. Like everyone. But when I came back in from the run, there's a video that my missus took. Like, I come back in from the run, I walk straight back to my bar, I bend over, I pick the bar up, I go straight to the power cleans. And the boy on the, on the lane the other side of me, on the other side of the rig, he was on his round of four when I picked up my bar from my round of two and I was ahead of him going on to the round of six because his, his cleans had turned into singles. He was done. Right. He had just gone on this run. And I ended up, I came fourth in that. I came fourth in the first bit, fourth yeah. in the second bit. So yeah, kind of got off to a half decent start. And then, so what I was saying to you at the start, link all the way back round to pick it up, put it down 2018. Workout number two, Two parts uh, scored, three rep max push press, <laughs> the first part, uh, in a two-minute window, five-minute window maybe. You rest for two minutes, and then it's a max power output at 50% of what you, what you just lifted. Wow. In a two-minute window. So max reps. Okay. But it's, as much as it's max reps, it's still relevant to the weight. So you yeah, still... Yeah. You go mega light, you can do 100 reps, but you're still only getting a certain yeah. volume. So I was like, got this. <laughs> I've been stung here before. I've been stung here before. It's not happening again. What did so, you do? Uh, 
I, I walked out, I warmed up in the warm up area to basically my three rep max. I think I, I did 92 and a half in the warm up area for three rep max push press, got out onto the floor. And I'm actually quite good, um, good friends through Instagram with my judge at the time. She judged me for all the events. She's a mega athlete herself. And uh, she said to me, do you know, do you know what you're going to do? I was like, I'm literally, I'm hitting one lift. I'm hitting my, I was hitting 95 because then I will do 42 and a half for the next part. Um, is that right? Yeah, 40, uh, no, 47 and a half for the next part. And I'm comfortable doing that. If I go heavy on my push press, which I think I can do, I'm just shooting myself in the foot for this max volume. Right. There was some beast there that push pressed like 125 or 130 for three, which was outrageous. But I was like, mate, Whoa. joke, like, you know, jokes to be you on the next bit, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to shift like 65 kilos for as many reps as you can. Oh, man. So I hit 95 for a triple right at the start of the window. And the MC was by me at the time. And she was there. She was like, that was easy. And I'm like, but I kind of, I know I don't need to win this event. I just need to be yeah. up. And she's like, no, 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 go heavier, go heavier. And I'm like, no. And then the MC comes over and she's gone, he's just crushed 95 for three and won't go heavier. And the MC has covered his mic and he's gone, pussy. And I've gone like, what are you talking about? Like, I look no. over, yeah, I swear down. No. He's just gone pussy and I've gone, oh God. Dude, you're kidding. You are kidding. And I look my barbell then. <laughs> I looked over to my partner who's at the end of the lane. She's got our two kids there as well. And she's looking square in the eye, just like shaking her head, like, do not. And I'm like, yeah, but but he's just he's just said that she's like, do not. And like I've bent over, I've put a two and a half on each side. No, you haven't. <laughs> I have, yeah. He won. He won. So he won one hundred percent, and she's like, my judge is like, yeah, you know, blah blah blah, and she they sold it to me. I was like, you're only doing an extra two and a half kilos on the AMRAP anyway. So what's you know what's the difference between fifty and forty seven and a half? And I'm like, well, like probably quite a bit in a minute. I'll tell you in a few minutes. <laughs> so I hit, and then she no repped me on my first rep going overhead with the hundred. So. I still joke with her now and I'm like, well, it was a four at max, wasn't it really? She was like, no, it was a jerk the first one. It wasn't a jerk. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I hit a hundred and actually to be fair, it moved me up a little bit on the spot. I think I maybe came like fifth in that event uh, for that part of it. But going into the next bit, um, I just ripped it at that, um, at the 50 kilos. I shifted 50 kilos for 60 push press in two minutes um which when went, how did you break that up did you just go did you stop so like, she what? said to me so she was great she said to me everyone keeps going for like a big set at the start whilst they're fresh and then dropping and stepping back and she said to me you're doing sets of 10 when you hit 10 you put it down i'll tell you when to go and there's a video on my instagram of her screaming at me so she, I'm, I'm like bang push out the set of 10 put it down on the floor and she's going pick it up and like her arms going at me like pick yeah. it up and go and then I put it down and she'd be like look at the clock and she'd pick it up and I'd pick it up and go and yeah hit it That's so helpful man that is amazing oh, so I won uh, so it was 3,000 kilos my volume and I ended up winning that event which was wicked yeah. I think it was sponsored by CNP so I won like a massive tub of protein and stuff like that, from that which I just gave to her I was like look you have it you oh forced, good on you man you forced me into doing it she's like no I was like no honestly take it like 
But that event, so doing that was a game changer. And knowing from my experience from picking up, putting it down there was a game changer because the boy that came second, so long story short, I ended up winning the Rainhill. Dude, well done. But that is ace. The boy, boy that came second in that event had my toaster bar finish in, in Euros. Oh, so he basically dude. was me slash potentially better than me in the other events. But he came like, 70th i think it was in that one in that workout oh man so when it came to i think the finishing position i you could have doubled my total score and i would have still won because he just had that one workout that just shot him out so that was when i said to to jen at the start of that workout I i don't need to win this workout i just need to not come last in it yeah I think that for me really my learn my learning from Euros is like, you know, it's not you don't need to light everything up. You do not need to, you know, don't get me wrong, you still need to perform strong, but you've got to be that kind of whole rounded athlete. Um, and if you do have loads of people overlook strength because arguably strength takes the longest to to progress, but loads yeah. of people overlook their strength elements there, like you need to make sure that you haven't got that one Achilles heel um, or that one area. And for me, mine still is my gymnastics. Like I said, I'm nearly six foot three. I'm like 95 kilos. I'm not as... Preach it, brother. Preach you know? it. <laughs> exactly. It's hard. It's hard for us to kind of shift that in a high volume pull-ups and muscle-ups and stuff like that. So it's always going to be an element of that. But my my coach turns to me and he's like, look, if you can be... If you're, you know, you're 95 kilos, six foot three, but yet you're doing big sets of hands down push-ups like that, you shouldn't be doing them. Like that, that shouldn't be a strength of yours. So if it is, your quid's Probably. in. And that's hey, kind of Zach George is an athlete. And he's still he, only like he's still only like five ten though, isn't he? Five, <laughs> he's still like just he's under six foot. So he is <laughs> mega. He's he is mega, but I've met him a couple of times actually, and not only does he make me look like waffer thin, he makes my head look so skinny and long. Um, <laughs> so, uh, he, he does. He just literally makes you look like a beanpole because he's so wide. Um, but yeah, he's not actually as big. He's not as tall as what you think. Okay. Do you remember Euros? Do you remember the guy that won the clean and jerk ladder? Yes, I, he was huge. <laughs> Papadopoulos or whatever his name was, the Greek guy who yeah, came to the massive, yeah. But even and I think he came second overall, didn't he? And like you watched him, he he power cleaned and power jerked 177 and a half kilos, right? Mega. And then I've just gone, yeah, but jokes on him. Watch him do toaster bars on the next workout. Man, he crushed it. Like, yeah. like <laughs> goals, goals. That's the man. The one you had to do with the. Uh... Uh, the the handstand walk into was it Cindy? Um, no, no uh, uh, Isabel. Yeah, Isabel. Uh, uh, like so, that was amazing. That was like for. I remember being like, this dude's an athlete. Then Eddie Hall, bless him, came along, killed, crushed the um, the world record. But for me, in my head, I was like, but that other dude did it. And in a handstand walk beforehand yesterday. <laughs> I say to people all the time, I'm like, I know Eddie Halls is like, I don't even know how many seconds it was, like 50 seconds, wasn't it? Oh, I'm like, yeah. that guy crushed it at 60 kilos. In like 30 in seconds. Un- in under a minute. And he also had to do a five-meter handstand walk to get there. <laughs> yes. 
So I'm like, actually, I'm not Eddie. I'm not sure yours is like, I'm not overly impressive <laughs> now. And as much as yours was impressive, like you're also about four times the size of this guy. And this guy is already a mutant as well. <laughs> but that was, that really like, that was a huge, a huge sort of light bulb moment for me. Like, actually, it was so, it was still really impressive watching Eddie Hall do his thing. Um, but it, that was like, because Eddie Hall did so amazingly, it just shone a light on how he performed the day before that guy. Like doing the, the walk into what was the same record under a minute, yeah. unbelievable. It, mate, that was a quality event to be fair. That was like, I'd never done the handstand walking comps before. Again, like, so you guys are renowned to be relatively tough. So the year before, I didn't know the standard of it. I didn't really know how good these guys were at RX, this type of stuff. So in 2018, I did the online qualifier for Euros. And it was something like you had to do burpees over a bar, first workouts, burpees over a bar, and power cleans, ascending weight in these power cleans. And I got to the final bar, which was maybe 110 kilos. And you had to do an AMRAP, as many reps if you got to that bar, as many reps as you could in the remaining time. And I got like, I don't know, like two or three cleans in, power cleans in at 110 to find out that Zach George then did the workout and got like 38 power cleans in at 100. And I'm like, oh, okay. So top 60, <laughs> top 60 went to finals or top 80 went to finals. And after one event, I was like 370th on the league. <laughs> All right. Um, but what I didn't know is the scaled that year, the scaled um, uh, category still had handstand walks and, and bar muscle-ups and stuff in it. So I was like, well, actually, that would have been wicked. That would have given me maybe an opportunity to try and do that. I'm going in at RX with these beasts, and I can't even do a ring muscle-up yet. Um, so Euros have always been renowned for that. So it was quite cool to, even at the intermediate category that I was in, it was quite cool to be able to show off that like we can like we still had ring muscle ups and stuff in our semi-final we had handstand walking in in uh event three or four whatever that one was we there were ring muscle ups weren't there in the final right semi-final oh was it the semi-final yeah cool and that was with the intermediates like yeah. unreal Mate, the ring muscle ups were the funny one though because I walked up when they announced it. I knew it again, high volume gymnastics. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I've watched some of these guys warming up and they're just flying up and down these rings. It was three minutes, max ring muscle ups you could do. Um, and then it went straight into that overhead squat. Three rounds of eight overhead squats and a 200 meter like lap around the outside. Um, everyone's picking up these overhead squats to do in the back and they've all got their lifters on for it and stuff like that as well. It's only 60 kilos, but you know, it's the last event for a lot of us and they're buckling under this weight. And I'm thinking, Oh, like, yes, come at me. Like I've had my one OM overhead squats at like 130. So I was like, yeah. So I was like, I was like 60 kilos come at me. Like I'm going to, I'm going to rep this, but didn't take into account how blown out my shoulders were going to be from these ring muscle ups. Oh. That everybody else is going to crush me on. So I see them warming up. I walk up to these rings they don't look overly high. I'm stood flat-footed on the floor with a full, full, like full grip on these rings. And I've walked up to the head judge and I'm like, mate, is there any chance we can lift the height of the rings up? And he's gone, nah, this same standard for everyone. It's uh, apparently it's his games, games height uh, rings, games height width, uh, sorry, games width and games height off the floor. I'm thinking, 
mate, like some of these games athletes have like boxes to jump up onto these rings. I'm thinking, how small are they? I'm stood there and I'd, I'm not going to argue with the guy because it's not going to get me anywhere. But I had to massively alter my technique on the rings to be able to ring muscle up because if I kicked fully, literally walloped both my feet into the floor as I went through, which was a bit of a shame because if you were much smaller, um, one of the guys that I competed next to for the two days, he didn't make it into the semifinals, but he was a much, much shorter athlete. He wouldn't have been able to reach the rings. So he would have been given a box or something yeah play, you know? just the height for shorter but not exactly. Good exactly so um, me and that that beast we were talking about the greek guy in the area like he must he was bigger than me his his head must have been in line with the rings whilst his feet were on the floor <laughs> that's such a shame you looked so comfortable on the run on that one Oh, um, I think it's the first time I was competing without my Achilles be like hurting, so I must have just made the most of it. You look so just happy. I remember seeing you run around like. <laughs> <laughs> just ran out for a casual stroll. <laughs> you had your lifting belt uh, in your hand, I think, or you chucked, I can't remember. But yeah, I remember seeing you run around because you were the other side of the um, floor, so only occasionally caught you. Yeah. Um, that, that, I thought the programming in that was amazing. I loved it. It's wicked. But luckily, so one of the girls that I trained with, she was um, she did really well. She finished quite high up on the um, in the RX category. She gets programmed from Mitch Adams. Obviously, Mitch Adams is the athlete, an athlete program coach, and um, there were rumours that there was going to be a run on the second day. That was going to be event number one of the second day. Um, but that's and then they explained that there was some logistical changes. Yeah. And that's why we ended up doing the burpee and the rower workout, um, which actually worked to my favour because there's no way I would have got a fourth place finish on the run. No way. Do you think um, they were going to ship you off somewhere, weren't they, for the run? When I was on the golf course, so there was rumours that they were literally just going to allow us to do it like on a certain route or lap of the golf course. But maybe it was raining sideways, wasn't it, that weekend? Yeah. That would have just been hideously wet and muddy. and we. Yeah. And my knowledge from the golf industry, we would have done a lot more damage. Yeah. The members would have kicked off a lot more, you know, if we were running around that golf course. Um, that that uh, that rowing burpee ward was good as well. Love that. What's your with your mindset? Do you ever? I mean, what so many, so many people talk about? I definitely experience it, especially on the rower. That seems to be like the thing. But yeah. on a longer workout, for example, saying like, right, do sixty toes to bar. How do you? Do you step back and like, right, I'm going to build a plan before I hit this? Do you ad-lib it? So when you're in, you're like, I'm going to treat it. Or do you have to break it into chunks uh, to make it more digestible for the mind? So if I'm with my coach, like he knows me. So it will be like, you're doing this. Like, or from experience, I mean, he's done so many different styles of workouts. You'd be like, right, this, this, and this, this is the bit that's going to that's gonna be the toughest part. So like I said, with the Rainhill workout, he's like, do not push that run in right. any way shape or form recover on that run and get back to the bar and pick it up immediately and that was a game changer for me yeah. all of a sudden it was like oh, i don't have to worry so he wasn't there unfortunately um for that weekend he wanted to be there but wasn't there so with so there's a little bit of anxiety with regards to how should i approach this it was in our standard you could step over the rower so it was only the rx category where you had to jump over the rower with the yeah. two foot takeoff and I watched one of the, I watched the teens and there was this one boy who was a taller, out of all of the teens, he was the taller one. And he had this technique where he was rowing and he would stay so close to the rower, 
his outside foot would step up first and he, his, he wouldn't even touch the, the foot near the rower wouldn't even touch the same side. He would just straight uh, step. Yeah, straight right. Cool. So there was no like double stepping on one side. It was like in close over. Like, and as soon as it went over, he just hit the deck straight away. Brilliant. And I looked at him and again, same time, my partner looked at him as well. And we looked at each other and was like, that is me. If, that, that is what I'm going to do. Oh. And then because you only had to do those calories, it was like, I think for the blows, it was like nine calories on the rower at the start of every minute. That was your buy-in before you started doing your burpees. So uh, with like 10, 15 seconds left, everyone was stopping their burpees and getting on the rower. And I'm like, mate, you've got like 15 seconds more burpees that you can be doing. What are you doing? Like your score is your burpees. It's not your row in any yeah. way, shape or form. So, so I would go all literally all the way to the second where they'd be like three two and I'd try and get my last burpee in over the rower one bang then get on the rower and pull um so with something like that being six foot three has is has its advantages of doing wall balls and doing rowing so yeah. I could I can pull a if we're on a rower for something like that, I can pull a 14 1500 cows an hour on the rower and feel comfortable on it yeah. um so that was okay. It was the burpees. It was my big focus. Um, so that's why I think I saw you just after that. And I was so pumped and stoked because I was like, I shouldn't have done as well as I just did. And I'm <laughs> but with the toaster bar one, it was the other end of the story. Like I didn't, I knew my toaster bar would fatigue. I knew they would go. And because the reps went 10 toes to bar, 15 burpee box jumps, 20 toes to bar, 15 burpee box jumps, and then 30 toes to bar. I was like, man, that, that I was almost trying to slow my burpees down because I knew if I get onto that bar too quick, I'm going to fall apart. But I just, I didn't, I didn't have enough knowledge of what's a comfortable set for me on my toes to bar. Like now I did a workout the other day, which was I did five toes to bar every 30 seconds for 20 rounds. Cool. And I hit, and I hit all five sets of toes to bar. They felt uh -huh. comfortable. Um, so it's a hundred, it's a hundred reps in a 10 minute window, but I didn't know any of that going into Euros. So. Break it into those chunks and digest it. Like so when I've had like chipper workouts where it's been like, right, you're going to start a workout and it's 25 toes to bar first thing. And then you're going to go and do some skipping in this. Like, I can hype myself up that I can do a set of 25 toes to bar unbroken. But then if you said to me, go back and do another five, I'd be like, nah, I've, I've just given everything to that set. So I've got yeah. nothing in reserve for that one. Um, if I was going to break that toes to bar set up into like a 15 and a 10, it, I'd probably fall apart on that set of 10. I'm probably better off just doing everything in that first set whilst I've got it in the tank. Um, so, but again, that was a, a mega weakness of mine. So, um, so going into something like that, you talk about kind of strategizing it. It was very much like a damage limitation. Um, if you watch that first set of 10, like my partner's got a video of going down the line, not being arrogant. I look like I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> if you look at the last round and you look at me just doing singles, <laughs> Last singles, just yeah, just didn't have the. Uh, I just didn't. Have you went the, from twenty twenty all the way back to twenty eighteen. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it, was, it was literally twenty eighteen, trying to do singles with a blinking shoulder hanging to overhead. Um, yeah, it was just like get me off this competition floor as quick as I can. <laughs> Matt, what's what does the future look like for you in the CrossFit world? So my goal um, 
and go back to talking about surrounding yourself with people that either think it's achievable or just want to be part of the journey or think successful. I want to be a competitive masters athlete. And when I say competitive, I mean like I want to go to a sanctional event as a masters athlete. So it's 35 and older. Um, I would potentially be open to like do some team stuff if I can find the right people and gel and do that type of stuff. But I, my goals are that by the time I'm 35, you know, I am the strongest that I've ever been, hopefully injury free. My gymnastics is there. You know, my life is a little bit more settled with children and this type of stuff. Um, so as much as I want to compete again next year, I want to compete again the year after and get out there. It is more experience for me building, going to competitions knowing how to juggle my diet at comps better, knowing how to juggle my prep, my recovery, all this type of yeah. stuff and gain experience there. But yeah, when I'm, I want to, I want to be able to try and be a competitive masters athlete because as much as I'm currently the strongest I've ever been and, you know, I'm currently moving the best I ever have, you know, I'm 32 in August and man, there's, it's not even the 20 year olds you got to worry about. Even the guys that are like 26, 27 are just they're bigger and faster and fitter and stronger. And, you know, some of these guys just like proper, like monkey strong, you know, like <laughs> Hong strong, just snatching 120 that just looks, they don't even look that pretty, but you just know he's so strong that he's never yes. going to. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of, that's my goals within that. Um, I'm not going to tell, I'm not turning around and saying, I want to go to CrossFit Games or anything like that. That's not even something like I've set my, set my mind to. And because if I'm being realistic, I just don't have the lifestyle that could ever make that type of thing yeah. achievable. Um, but I do, I do think I can definitely step up another standard from where I am That's now. Yeah, exactly. I can definitely step up another standard from where I am now, if not like look to move from RX to potentially like elite. But I, I just, the guys that are elites at the moment, are they just mega, you know, and there's a big standard between like the masters elite guys and the, uh, and our, and our age group elite guys, they're just beasts. You know, I'm never going to be on the same competition floor as someone like a Zach George or, or a Mitch Adams or guys like this. They're just. For anyone, who, anyone who's sort of listening and thinking, because it is a fairly, I think there's obviously there's lots of things in your um, earlier life which it seems like have sculpted your mindset. Actually, I'll ask you that. Do, do you think your earlier life, so like that, that golf, sporting, your golfing career, do you think that had sculpted your mindset of which is so productive for you now? Or do you think that that was actually a product of the mindset which was already there? I wouldn't necessarily say from a sporting perspective. Like, I... Um... Definitely from a personal life, from a private life perspective, definitely. Um, I got married really young. Um, I got divorced really young. <laughs> um, so I definitely had all these goals and dreams of things I wanted to do. When I was growing up, my parents got married young. They had children young. You know, they were like mid-50s and everyone's left the house. And they're yeah. now like wreaking the benefits of that. And I'm like, that is wicked. That is exactly what I want to do, you know. I didn't want to be like an elder dad that was picking his kids up from school and couldn't run around and play football, yeah, or whatever yeah. it is, you know? So that was always kind of what I thought I wanted. And maybe because I thought I wanted that, like kind of angled myself down that line of doing it. Um, and then you just end up getting yourself into positions where I wasn't ever doing anything specific. I never felt like I could do anything specifically for me. 
that wouldn't be classed as me being selfish. And I'd like to think that I was quite a selfless person, but yet you can be convinced that you're being selfish if you're just not constantly doing stuff for other people. Yeah. Um, So it took me until probably I'd say when I was 30, probably when I turned 30 and like the whole job thing and stuff came around that I was finally kind of confident in my own skin. Um, I quit drinking. I quit boozing. Um, bit of a byproduct. We were on a stag do and one of our friends had a bit of an accident that kind of made a bit of an eye opener. But I remember trying to train at the gym the following week and I just had the worst hangover for like, 10 days and I was like you know what this is this has become ridiculous because I love training and that like small period of time where I've wasted loads of money and I'm never going to see that again has just eaten into a, a 10 day period of what I love to do um and it wasn't until it's probably about three weeks ago I listened to a Chris Williamson podcast yeah and he was talking with Ben Coomba about, um, I don't know if you've heard it, or but it was literally yeah, alcohol. Yeah, I know Ben Coomba. Yeah, like, and I was like, man, this is like, is he talking about me here? Like, a, I could relate to everything he was saying. Um, even things like, you know, from a drinking aspect, like it's very, we're very tribal, you know, like you've got your tribe and you're drinking with your mates. And yeah. for me, it was rugby. After rugby, we booze. And then we, and if you were not boozing, it'd be like, oh, man stop being you know yeah come and booze with us and like okay and then you kind of found yourself potentially and again this is all me looking back in hindsight i didn't know at the time like trying to find excuses of why i didn't want to go out or like i'm driving today because it meant that i didn't have to booze or like that i was i couldn't just i was never confident in my own skin to just go i don't want to i was always trying to justify myself and I think when I made when I was about 30, I made a decision to like, I'm just not going to drink for the foreseeable. I'm not saying that I'm completely sober or teetotal. Like, and if I ever decided that I wanted to have a drink, I would just go and have one. Yeah. But my missus was like, are you going to have a drink at Christmas? And I'm like, I don't know. Why? She said, well, it's Christmas. And I'm like, well, that's exactly why I don't want to drink. Because yeah. I'm not just drinking because it's my birthday or Christmas. Like, if I want one, I'll go and have one. And then it started kind of molding me into this person where I was much more comfortable myself, non like non drunk or sober, I should say. And then it started kind of like affecting loads of other things I was doing. And then it was like work, and then it was like friendship groups. And and Chris Williamson was saying like you know it becomes very tribal. Often you can't you can't change a habit in your tribe. Like if you change a habit in your tribe, your tribe will turn around and basically go, hold on a minute. Like you're not one of us now. Yeah, man. And then so goes back to surrounding yourself with people who want you to succeed. I'm not saying that my, any of my friends specifically said that, but I definitely kind of stopped getting invited into stuff because they knew I wouldn't drink. And then some of, but some of them would, some of them will go, mate, we're going to the pub. Do you want to come for like a lime and soda? And I'd say it in a joking way, but I'd still get the invite. But then other people would just assume I didn't want to go to the pub because yeah. I wasn't going to get boozy. Um, and so I definitely saw like a different side to a lot of my friends. Um, I started to, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? I probably started to bear the guys that I wanted to be around, even when they were, drunk and potentially not acting in a way that they would see as like acceptable. Yeah. 
but then the people that was always kind of on the, I was like, they were just friends of friends. And then you see them when they're just like, you know what, wicked, I don't need to associate with that anymore. Sure. And then even worse, you start kind of putting back in, well, I don't know how I was acting when I used to drink, you know, like, so that, that gave me confidence to be able to then from a mindset perspective, focus really on what I wanted to do with my family with, you know, and all of a sudden I've got more, I've got more time to spend with them. I've got more money to spend with them. I've got more calories to eat, like whatever food I want to eat. And, and it was, yeah, I think that was probably a big, a big turning point. That's mate. That is awesome. And and, and that's the realization of building, realizing that it's okay to sculpt your own tribe and, and, and be like, actually, these people are more, going back to what you said before, these people are invested in my future. Those people, I just serve what they see me as now. And yeah. I can't move outside. Plug you in. I'll see if you can plug you in while you're talking to my laptop, sir. Cool. <laughs> the, um, but the, the, what, the thing that I was going to go on to, Matt, was to ask you if someone's listening, they're like, whatever it is, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's something else, they probably quite find it quite inspiring how fast you've made a journey from introduction to CrossFit to a successful athlete. Like you are, you are a CrossFit athlete. You're doing it every day and you're competing at a high level. What would you say? Is there any piece of advice that you could give to people like, Hey, this is a really cool tip that you can do in your own journey um, to maybe reassure or guide them in their own I, just, I guess it's probably something that comes with more maturity as well, but like you've got to decide what you want, you know, like for me, I want to compete. So the process before that is I love it all because it's all part of the same package. Um, so if you want to be a competitive like after whatever it is, whether it's going to be competitive scuba diver or your cricketer whatever it's going to be like you know that there's a starting point where you are and you know there's a big long process before that before you kind of start knocking on the door of, of where you want to be so if you kind of you know the direction you want to go in and you're patient and happy with with understanding the process to it then you're going to love it and you're going to enjoy every single day of it if you think that you can move so as an example i am um, I PB'd my snatch last week. Uh, I snatched 112 and a half kilos, which was like mega. And I looked back at this and I was like, you know what? Where did I come from in this? And I saw back early on in, like I said, mid-2018, I snatched 60 kilos. And it's taken me, what, nearly two years to, to nearly double that weight. But I went off and found myself, I wasn't coached weightlifting all the time by my CrossFit coach. I was like, I want to progress my weightlifting within CrossFit. So I went and got a weightlifting coach to help me with my weightlifting. And I spent three days a week over a certain, for like a six month period, I was weightlifting. It wasn't ever to be a competitive weightlifter. Yeah. It was to benefit my CrossFit. So I knew that my CrossFit performances would drop because I was focusing on my strength, my weightlifting, but then I could kind of tailor that and merge yeah. it in. So I think the second ever open I did, I was like the heaviest I'd been, the slowest I'd been. I had no cardiovascular fitness because I was weightlifting, but it was all part of the, the journey and the process. So I wasn't overly worried about it all. And I guess it's like, if we put it into aesthetic purposes, you know, young lad or young, young girl wanting to put on some muscle, 
but then having fear of putting on like a little bit of body fat or getting a little bit bigger initially or whatever it's going to be. It's yeah. like not looking at like the, the process at the end and going, yeah, but I want to get bigger, but I don't want to put on fat. And you're like, okay, well, it is doable, but it's a slower process. And they're like, oh, but I thought I could do this in like 12 weeks. And you're like, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. Like all of a sudden we, you've got to take yourself to like level 99 yeah. with appearance on everything to get there. Yeah. And bear in mind, you've got no gym background or anything like that. Like all of a sudden. So it's that kind of instant, my advice to anyone is just like, don't buy into the process, buy into the love of what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and be patient with it because the last two years have absolutely flown by. You know, you said to, you've just said that I've got relatively, I've done it all relatively quickly, but for me, it doesn't feel like he yeah, has two years. I remember some grueling sessions in the garage where I was like back squatting. It was peeing down with rain outside and the tumble dryers on to try and heat the garage up. Cause it's freezing, you know, like, <laughs> so, but that's all part of the process. I look back now and I can't, I can't really, I can't really remember it as much as it feels like a lifetime. It's also has gone quickly. Um, but I, I also understand you've got to be at a certain kind of maturity level or something. You've got to be comfortable to a certain extent to kind of understand that and be happy with yourself. With yes. that. Going for, yeah. Investing in the process is important. And also definitely from what you said, it's, it's really important to go through that period of reflection in where you're going, actually, this is where I want to get to. So to really, before you embark, know where you want to go, know what that, and then know what the journey is. And then you can, then you can jump in and concentrate on each day because you know that it serves into that bigger purpose. Um, Matt, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you, I you might know what this question is, you might not. If I could give you an extra two hours a day, yep. what would you do with that time? Um, my partner would scream at me and say that I'm on my phone too much. <laughs> so what it wouldn't i would like to say i'd spend two hours not on my phone just trying to be a little bit more a little bit more present but if i'm being honest like especially as i've got older and what lockdown showed me is i've reduced the frequency of my training so i now only, i only train four days a week um with an intention of my look i literally prioritized my recovery so much over the last uh, over the last 20 weeks so recovery kind of mobility just like how i can how i can move so i don't think i'd train anymore you know i don't think i would if i had an extra two hours a day wow. i don't think i would go you know what i'll just do like a quick quick 25 minutes on the ski or something like, i don't think i would i think i'd try and spend a bit more time with them try and put my phone down a little bit more um but and it definitely going into next week with the gyms reopening and going back to full-time coaching actually i'd like just two hours to just sit down nice mate <laughs> two hours yeah i think i think that's um i guess changing peaks throughout the season that might change if i was coming up to a comp i might be a little bit more like ah oh, just just want a little bit more time here but for anyone listening like especially as you're getting older recovery is massively massively overlooked and it's something that i've definitely had to take more uh more care of over the over the last year definitely it's so important man like I, and it, it requires part of your mindset which will deliver you to the successes that you achieve is that like drive that hunger but the that needs to be matched 
with like that's like training hard matched with training smart and that's where you go like you would if so if your coach is like matt you've got to train six days six sessions uh, a week two like two times on monday you'd be like okay like you're capable of that but you're matching that with that smart attitude which is what really takes you the distance yeah, I think 100%. Like you said, buying into the process. Something I'm not very good at is we have a, um, with one of, I'm an ambassador for a clothing company and we've got like a WhatsApp group with some of the other athletes and stuff. Defiant in it. Co, right? The Defiant Co, yeah. And so the, the other two athletes are beasts. Like the other, sorry, the other three athletes are uh, absolute beasts. And one of them is um, Yatesy. His, his claim to fame is that he's back squatted 100 kilos for 100 reps in a single set. Insane, right? And he, he even said that he got no repped in a couple of those. So he says he did more like 103. Guy's insane. Like, mega, mega, mega strong. So they'll always ping, like, workouts into the group. Like, oh, we've just done this. And um, give it a go. And we'll have a little, we'll see. And Steve, the owner, the founder of the Defiant Co, is like, all right, lads, we've just done this workout. If any of you can, uh, can beat this time, like, I'll send you some more, like, shorts or whatever it might be. And I do it, I buy into it, but there's a big kind of, um, I kind of resist a little bit because in my head, I've got my programming from a coach. I've got what's set out for me and it's all on. And I'm like, I kind of, this is where I'm, this is my process I'm doing at the moment. I don't really want to stray off that. Yeah. And there's, there's a reason why I'm doing pull-ups on a Monday and I'm doing this on a Thursday. There's reasons why because it gives me, let's say, it gives me my hands a chance to recover or yes. whatever it might be. So if I randomly chuck out like a workout that's got 50, 60 pull-ups in it on a Sunday and then, well, I can't do my, my chest bars on a Monday because I can't hold on to them. And so for me, I'm a little bit kind of my attention to detail there is a little bit like, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's kind of like taken away from it a little bit. Um, I can't, I've gone off track with this one. I, well, no, it's good. I, think, I think it's good that you are so invested in the process and you still go through that thought of critical analysis. Like I'm not sure, but also that you do occasionally allow yourself to be flexible and be like, Hey, I enjoy this. I'm going to give this a go. Yeah. But they're not fun. Their workouts aren't fun. <laughs> yeah, not enjoyable. But <laughs> not enjoyable. I look at the end of it and I'm like, I'm not going to win this because you've just absolutely lit it up. I'm going to do it just to be part of the group. I don't want to do it. Because it's everything I've just told you that I'm pride myself on. I've just given in and done it and hated every minute of it. So regardless <laughs> of anything Matt has just said for anyone listening, <laughs> give him a challenge and he'll do it. <laughs> 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 Matt, is there anything else that you wanted to add to what we've talked about? No, I think we've pretty much covered all of it. I think uh, I think we've pretty much hit nail on the head. It's been great to kind of chat and catch up. And like I said to you before, like, I haven't really thought about kind of where I've come from. It's quite nice to like kind of look back and reflect at times because, like I said, with that like that snatch kind of video I put together the other day was you don't really think about where you've come from sometimes and you kind of look back and go, Oh yeah, I have, I guess I have done all right. You know? Yeah. Go back man. to Ollie, go back to Ollie, no repping me on, on my first like hang clean. <laughs> and then it's like, then I, now I try and pride myself on not getting no repped at all. <laughs> I can't wait for Ollie to watch this. He, he will, uh, he's going to love it. He literally reminds me of it all the time. <laughs> literally reminds me all the time. I, <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not even surprised. Um, I cannot wait 
I cannot wait to see where your future goes. You'd like it's amazing. I, I fully appreciate the friendship we have, and I'm, I cannot wait to be along on this journey to watch it. It's it's freaking awesome. It is awesome. That's very kind. Um, Matt, thank you so much. I know you're busy and you're working today, so I've taken up quite a lot of your time. But really, really grateful for your time. Um, if someone if uh, if someone wants to work with you, they're listening. Like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this. Where can they find you? So. First thing, just you can contact me direct on Instagram, um, m.tyler88, I think it is, something like that. But otherwise, I coach at uh, Sweater Training, which is just outside Crowborough. Um, and we do, we've got quite a unique little business model that we do over there. It's all personal training. Um, we've got four coaches over there, all with very kind of different backgrounds we've got a weightlifter we've got an endurance athlete background we've got a body composition background coach as well so um so yeah we we cater for anyone and everyone really so um but most of the stuff i do through my social media is through instagram and stuff so they can always just ping me a, a message on there and we can progress brilliant i'll tag i'll put that in the show notes the show notes the link to your instagram and do that Definitely, definitely. If you're thinking about reaching out to Matt, I would definitely advise it. Um, dude, mate, thank you so much. I've absolutely loved it. Uh, I guess, have you had a chance to have your lunch before you go back to work? I have eaten, yeah. I've, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 training. I'm training in a minute. Today's oh, the... No. Uh, Enjoy it. What's your session looking like? Today is the peak of the mountain. It's, uh, I've got to try and max out my back squat. So this is kind of, um, yeah, this is... It's the elusive uh, 200 is the target. You're going to go for that already? Well, I hit a triple at 185, 180, 185 last week, uh, two weeks ago. So that's kind of the target today. It's 20 weeks worth of grueling work. So we'll see. If you never hear from me again, it's because I'm under the barbell. (laughs) (laughs) It's on your whiteboard, that as a target, isn't it? Your 200 back squat. Yeah, that's up there. Yeah, so I've I've got to try and rub that one off. Mate, good luck. Good luck. Yes, it has been a great privilege of mine to be introduced to Matt through the sport of CrossFit. He is an incredibly driven dude. And what is most inspiring is that his drive meets his action. The master's floor should be shaking in anticipation of your arrival, man. Um, Yeah, I feel very lucky to have known you over these last few years, really get to know you and follow your journey. I'm really privileged that this has been a platform which hopefully means more people can be a part of that and wowzers. What amazing stuff has been and even more incredible stuff to come. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. As I always say, you are the purpose, you're the reason behind this, and I'm grateful for all of your feedbacks and comments. Feedbacks. (laughs) If you have time, subscribing and leaving a review is super helpful, but if not, no dramas. Have a wicked day, stay awesome, and I'll speak to you soon. Pow.